Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional upheaval. Is that all the oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Fairmount Plus. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people, and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at microsoft.com/ai4all. I have four people: uh, Stevie Nicks, Loretta Lynn, Waylon Jennings, and Tom Petty. Those are my four. Like those are my four that like have been with me in my brain since I was born. That's country singer-songwriter Sunny Sweeney talking about her four biggest influences to her songwriting and performing. Sunny talks about her latest album, being an independent musician, advice given to her by country legend Loretta Lynn, and much more on this episode of Behind the Set List. Welcome to Behind the Set List, the podcast where artists tell the stories about the songs they perform live. I'm Jay Gilbert from Label Logic. And I'm Glenn Peoples from Billboard. Jay, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you, Glenn? I'm good. You know, I know both of us really enjoyed our conversation with Sonny Sweeney. Um, to use your phrase, I'll just borrow it from you real quickly, a force of nature. Just such an interesting person with an interesting career, uh, an accomplished songwriter, a great catalog already into a fairly young career. And, um, yeah. and I think people should really check out her new album, Married Alone that came out September 23rd. Yeah, I found the interview inspiring. Uh, I found Sonny to be um, thoughtful, deliberate, uh, super intelligent, and simply just hardworking. And it reminds me of, you know, my grandfather always said, the harder I work, the luckier I get. Yeah, we took a look at her set from a show on October 15th at City Loft Winery in Philadelphia. It's a career retrospective. It touches on all of her albums. It has songs from her new album, Married Alone. One track on that album uh, is a duet with Vince Gill, a favorite of ours, which is an incredible, yeah. beautiful song. She starts the show off with another new song, Tie Me Up, which is, I think, a great example of the wordplay she uses in her country songwriting and her attitude. A really fun song and a really good set. Yeah, fantastic. And, you know, that the whole album, Married Alone, it, it exemplifies who she is as an artist. She's kind of old school in that her songs are really about great storytelling and that wordplay that you mentioned. You know, it's her fifth studio album. Uh, her first was reissued by Big Machine, which put her as label mates with Taylor Swift for some short period of time. She did a, an album for Republic Nashville, major label, uh, in 2011 called Concrete. But her last three albums have been self-released through 30 Tigers in Nashville. And I think that suits her well. She strikes me as an independent person. She should be releasing her own music and doing it herself. So a little boilerplate before we get going. 
Uh, thanks for listening to Behind the Set List. Subscribe at your favorite podcast platform, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, Stitcher, Audible, Amazon Music, you name it. You can find us there. Please share us with a friend you think would like a good music interview conversation. And thanks for your support. Yeah, it was just a really inspiring uh, conversation with Sonny. So now, without further ado, here's Sonny Sweeney, Behind the Set List. Let it roll. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your your busy day, your busy touring schedule. I was reading this thing about, gosh, you you tour your ass off. You do a lot of a lot of dates. I know. And some days, <laughs> some days I go, <laughs> I go, what are you doing? And then other days, I, we talked about this last night. We had a very long drive yesterday, and we were just like all trying to keep each other awake. But um, I just. I love my job. I do. Uh, and, and like, I, I know everyone has to work, you know, you have to work to live. And so I, I can't think of anything else or any other job that I would do with such passion and be so tired all the time and still love it. (laughs) You know, how long has this been your, been your day job, Sonny? It's been my only job. Um, my whole adult life. I never, Um, I went to college in Texas and got a degree. My parents really wanted us to go to college and I really didn't want to go because I'm not a book guy. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm just, I'm, I'm more of like a life lesson kind of person. And, um, I went because my parents were just like, okay, look, you do this for us. And then we will support whatever you want to do. I was like, okay, deal. So I went, I I'm, thoroughly grateful that I have a college degree. And, um, and then I met some amazing people during college and friends. And then I never looked back. As soon as I got out of college, I had one job for about two weeks. And then I just like, this is not for me. So, um, so I just basically went back to my dad, uh, my stepdad, who had offered me to teach me guitar when I was about 12 years old, and I had no desire whatsoever. And then I went back to him and said, you know what? I think I'm ready now. And he's like, do what? Could you repeat that a little louder with gusto, please? And so um, I learned how to play a couple of chords on the guitar and basically just never looked back. And I just committed to it. So, and then here we are. (laughs) Here we are. Wow. So you um, you have a new album. Uh, Married Alone came out in September, your fifth studio album. And and I read in this interview, you said something like, you know, that you didn't create the record to make money. You you made magical art instead. And I thought that was a beautiful sentiment. Can you talk about that magic a little bit? Yeah, the reason that I said that is because, um, I mean, you're you're familiar enough probably with the music business to know that like most people that make choices for artists aren't artists. Okay. And I feel like I've been around long enough and I've had enough different lifetimes in this business that, I mean, I did the big machine thing. I did Republic. I did the indie thing before that. I did the selling shit out of my trunk. I did like, I did all of the things. Okay. And so 
whenever it came time to pick the producer and the songs and all that for this album, uh, I was with a management company and I need to be very clear about this. There's, there's the big guy at the management company. That's one of my soulmates at this, in this life. I just love him and trust him infinitely. And, um, then there's the, the other people that were at that management company. And those people were all kind of trying to collectively make choices for me and, um, and, and choose producers and choose blah, blah. And all of a sudden I'm like, look, I'm the artist. I've been around long enough. I'm not a 20 year old, you know, that doesn't know what they're doing or what they want. I know exactly what I want. I know exactly how I want it done. And so the only artist or the only producer that we agreed on was Paul Coffin, who's an old, old friend of mine. And um, he brought Bo Bedford around and Jeff Signs. And it was so magical because they're all artists, you know, and they make music for art and they don't make music for money. Now, money would be nice, you know, but with success, like, and good music, I think comes like the the other stuff that you look for, you know, the reason that you do a job is to try to get paid for doing a job. Right. And so, um, but anyway, I, I just, I'm talking like from note one in the studio, I knew that it was an artistic record that we were going to try to make. And, um, and then once it's done now and out, I I'm so proud of it. And I'm so, and I know everyone says that, but I'm so happy with how it turned out. And I, I don't, it's the only record that I've ever made that I don't go back and listen to it and go, damn, I would have changed that. Or I would have done this instead of that. Like we put so much care and so much, like just so much of ourselves into it. And we put our artistic selves into it. And we weren't, we weren't going into a studio to be like, okay, how can we make the most money with it? It wasn't like that at all, you know? And, um, and I just feel like that is what is missing in music. Now it's like, everybody's trying to do, what's going to make the most money. And like, again, that's nice. I'm sure. But like, but knowing that I get to go to bed with my integrity every night and I don't have second chance, I don't have second, you know, second thoughts about anything that we did artistically. It's really, it's like so freeing. This album came out through 30 tigers uh, who you've worked with before and you're releasing this independently through 30 tigers. Is that right? Yeah, I have my own record label. You know how you just have, it's basically my record label, um, my indie record label, and then they distribute it. Yeah. David Macias is a genius. Um, he he owns 30 Tigers and, you know, he's he's not A&R. He doesn't A&R records. You know, he, he's, he wants the artist to be the artist. And to me, that is just, again, I've done all, I've done all the avenues. And like for, for someone like myself, I feel like that is, it is truly the the best thing for me. I can't make a choice for everyone else, but like for me, having gone through the really dark times with, you know, I call it my hungry years because I was just so hungry because they were, you know, wanting me to be, you know, thin and whatever. I'm like, thin, to, who cares? Like, I mean, I'm not, you know I mean, I, I, I don't know. I just have so many opinions, but, um, but anyway, this is just such a healthy, happy, creative time in my life. And I just feel so fortunate that I've gone through all of the other stuff to be able to know 
that I'm grateful for this. Like so grateful. I'm so grateful. That's great. So the set list that we took a look at, Sonny, was from October 15th um, uh, from Philadelphia. And the one thing that struck me right away was that it's so diverse. It's There's songs from pretty much every album that you've done. I think there were six tracks um, from Married Alone. And, and one thing I noticed is that with your album and your live shows, there's this unique kind of, I don't know how to describe it, like a cadence or a journey that you take your listeners on, and it, it feels very deliberate. Is that accurate? Yeah, it's very accurate. Um, I am first and foremost, aside from anything that I do for my job, I am a music fan. Like, I have been a fan of music. Like, I got chill bumps just now when I said that. Like, I love music. I, I love I've always used music as a form of escapism, like from very young child, just like, I I feel like when, you know, when, you know, when your parents are arguing, when you're young, you just go in your room and turn music, you know what I mean? Or like when, when you've gotten in a fight with a boyfriend and it's just, or when you're having, you know, when your grandpa dies or whatever, I mean, whatever, like the bad stuff or good stuff really. But mine typically is like when it's something that's like stressful, but um, I have four people, uh, Stevie Nicks, Loretta Lynn, Waylon Jennings, and Tom Petty. Those are my four. Like, those are my four that like have been with me in my brain since I was born, literally. And, and those are the people that I use as an example for, for, for when I need something to, to get away from something. So I kind of took that the way that I feel with music and the way that those, those artists make me feel whenever I started doing this. And I wanted to make sure that if anyone is coming to my show, I mean, I'm talking like if it was like back in the day where there was two people at the show and one of them was my mom, I wanted to make sure that I wanted to make sure that, that the people that were there were there to feel something. Right. And so everyone relates to a certain song on maybe say your first record or your third record or whatever. And like I do with Loretta's records or Waylon's records or Stevie Nicks or, you know, Tom Petty, especially like I I know all the Tom Petty songs, but um, (laughs) anyway, um, but I have favorites from every album. And so I want to make sure always that, that I, you know, appease people from, you know, from, from choosing, like you just said, I'm so glad you noticed that because I do. I'm very proud of my first album. It's not, it's not what I do now necessarily, but there's people that, that started liking what I do because of that record. And, and they still ask for songs off of it, which I find extremely strange because it's so old, but, um, but I always want to make sure that, that everyone, I try to get to where everyone can have a little bit of what they want, you know, a little bit of everything that they want. And I don't want to go see, you know, I don't want to go see an artist that I love and have them only play stuff off their new album. In fact, that's very annoying to me. And, um, cause I didn't come there. I, I'm great. I'm grateful to be able to be at a show and to see what they're doing and what's new in their world. But I came there because I wanted to hear what I was familiar with. That's why I paid the money to see them, you know? Yeah. And, um, so, so I do try very, very diligently to make sure that there is a little bit of everything. You know, and I don't want to forget the records. I, I know a lot of people that are like, 
oh my God, bury it. I don't want to ever see my first record again. And I'm like, it's not what I do, but I'm so proud of it. Like I, I, I'm very close artistically to like everything that I've done. And I feel for whatever point I'm at in my life that I, I feel like it was, it was taken from that point in my life. And so every point in my life, I've learned a lesson from, you know, so, so I do feel, I don't know, I'm probably a little too close to each record, but, but I don't ever want to forget them. You know, what is it that makes a, a Sonny Sweeney song? What is it that you're looking for when you're, you're looking for a song from that other people wrote or when you're writing a song, what is it that, that makes it something that you want to keep, you want to record? I always base it on physical reaction. And, um, so I use those four artists as a lot of examples in my life. So apologies in advance, but that's just kind of the way it goes. So, um, Tom Petty crawling back to you the first time I heard that song, I heard it. I I grew up in a, in a very like religious home. And, um, as an adult, that's, you know, a little bit of a different, I, I look at things a little bit differently, but I always kind of can pull from that. And so when I heard that song, whether or not it's what he meant or not, I feel like it was, you know, a religious song. I know that it's not probably, but, um, but it's so weird to me, the things that you pull, you know, in, in your brain, the things you can pull from a song. And that's the beautiful thing about music. You can pull something from that song that I can't pull from that song because it's just how it resonates inside of you. So, so for me, I want to hear, I want to feel it. I want to feel, I don't want to hear the music. I want to feel something from the music, whether that's happiness, sadness, you know, a great story, a great melody. But for me personally, if I hear something and a melody is so, uh, like new, like a new melody that I've never heard, it sticks in my brain and I can't really explain it, but like, it like, it like takes over a piece of my brain, a brand new song that I've never heard before. And like married alone, for instance, like when my former, um, when Arthur, um, my former manager, um, sent me that song I hummed the chorus of that song for six months and I couldn't stop myself this house is where we live but without you here honey it ain't a home there may be who who wrote married alone um so there's actually it ended up being three of my friends which is so crazy because he didn't know that I knew them um but Autumn McIntyre and Hannah Blaylock and Josh Morningstar wrote that. And um, I, I, I had just gotten out of a divorce and, oh my God, I hit the floor. I mean, because Arthur, Arthur sent me a text and he said, you need to be by yourself in a minute because I'm about to send you a song. And I was like, please stop being dramatic and just send me the song. He's like, no, no, seriously, like you need to be by yourself. And I was like, uh, okay, so I called him when I got home and I was like, okay, I'm home, send me the song. And he sent it to me and I called him back about five minutes later. He goes, how far did you make it? I was like, one chorus and one verse. And then I was just like in a pile. And he just started laughing. He's like, okay. And I was like, how do I get that song? That is mine. How do I, why would you play me that song if I can't have that song? He's like, it's yours if you want it. I said, I want it. So 
it took about three years for us to put the record out, but, um, but I had that song on hold since 2019 and I just, I couldn't, I couldn't fathom how that song had not been written before. Do you know what I mean? And that's the kind of thing that I want to feel. Cause I'm sure that like, I'm a human and I know that I feel things. So I look at it like, how will, how will people respond to this when they hear it? You know, and it can be happy. You know, it can be, it can be a happy marriage. I know people that are in a happy marriage that have said that's their favorite song on the album. You know, um, for me, I don't use songs like that. I felt like, oh my good grief. Like that was my life, you know? And, and the words of that song, even when I like would leave, you know, in the, this, the line in the song that says, um, you know, for four days and three nights, like, you know, I would leave for two days and still feel like that. It just is, uh, it just makes me still makes me just kind of go back. That's what music does. It makes you go back to a time. Someone said that, that music is the closest thing to time travel because you can hear something that you haven't heard, um, since you were a child and you hear it and you're automatically back at your grandma's house. You know what I mean? Listening to it. And it's pretty, pretty bizarre, honestly. I love music. Yeah. It's interesting that you had mentioned Waylon and uh, Loretta, because I had some notes here that I really felt like your music is, for my ears, it's really classic country. It's Hank, it's Waylon, it's Patsy, it's Loretta. It's, it's not necessarily the, the newer breed. It's more about uh, storytelling and wordplay. And that, that strikes me as just classic. Uh, well, that's country. why, that's why I'm, I mean, I'm so glad, oh my God, I'm so glad when people say that because I always want people to, I, I, I literally like my pet peeve is when someone says someone is their influence and then you can't hear shit about shit. Do you know what I mean? And I'm like, you have Waylon tattooed on your arm, but like, you don't know what four on the floor means. Do you know what I mean? Like I, 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 it's just, it's very difficult for me. Um, it's very difficult for me to, to digest that sometimes. So when anyone says that, like, they can hear, you know, a, a brand, a, a brand, whatever that is, like a, a genre of music in my music of something that I'm influenced by, that is, that's incredible. So, um, but honestly, the reason that I loved, I wanted to do this job really is because those people wrote stories. I mean, they told stories. They, um, they lived life and, you know, I I had the opportunity to play with Loretta a couple of times and and she's just, she's just such the consummate songwriter in my opinion, because she, she honestly writes her life. And so anyway, when, um, I don't know when this was, but, um, about 10 years ago, her manager called, there's a big venue in um, Fort Worth called, um, Billy Bob's. It's a giant honky tonk. And she was playing there and evidently she, I think she broke her kneecap or something. And I, her manager called and was like, Hey, is there any possibility that Sunny can fill in for Loretta on this show? (laughs) I was like, uh, yeah, we, we can definitely make that work. <laughs> so 
so we go into this gig and her fans were so kind and they were expecting her to be there and it was us and they were just so sweet anyway I went on about my life and about two weeks later she called me to thank me and as it turns out she's she's literally the kindest person right and uh and I said no no thank you I I can't I cannot believe this was such an honor you have no idea like I I I hope you're feeling better, but also, you know, this was what an opportunity. And, um, and I said, Miss Loretta, before I get off the phone with you, could you give me some advice? And she said, she sat there for a second. She goes, you write songs, baby. And I said, yes, ma'am. And she's like, well, write what you know. So I kind of, kind of waited for something else. And I was just kind of sitting there like, waited with, you know, bated breath going like, and, and she, and she goes, write what you know, baby, write what you know. And she said it again. And, and I just, I took, I, I take that with me everywhere I go in every writing appointment, every writing room, every drive that I go on where I'm trying to get inspired to come up with ideas. I'm just writing what I know. And, and my ideas come from that a lot of times where I just want to be like her so bad, you know, and, and I want to do what she said and what, what worked for her. And she was writing for, for me, she was writing for women, you know, and, and I feel like there's just such a, a fear of saying something that's going to be offensive because you're a woman. And I don't have that fear because she told me not to have that fear. You know, she said, write what you know. And I have a different viewpoint of being a woman because I'm in a male dominated business. So I see a lot of different things that probably a lot of other people don't see. Um, but, and there's a dark side to this business, but it's also the most glorious thing that's ever happened, you know, and I I can't imagine trading it for anything in this world. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I do that because she told me to, and I'm not going to ever sacrifice that. And like, you know, she didn't ever write a song that was, that was, it didn't, she never wrote a song that had the word email in it or screen share or, or some, she didn't have a song that wasn't timeless, you know? And so I take my cues from her. Um, Tom Petty's the same way. I, I just feel like they just, they wrote what they were living and they wrote, you know, timeless could have been sung 50 years ago or 50 years from now. And that's what I want. I want when I'm long gone and my music's still around, I'm hoping to God that like, that people can go, man, she, she wrote classic songs, you know, that, that, that are timeless. And, you know, and then there's people 50 years down the road, there's a little 14 year old girl starting to do a music, starting to do the music business, bless her heart. And, um, and, and she goes, I'd love to cover this Sonny Sweeney song from, you know, 2002 or whatever. So um, anyway, I just, yeah, I, I just, I just think, I think Loretta was the shit, man. You started this show that we were looking at the set list with the song Tie Me Up. And, and Jay and I really love this song. Um it's from your new album, Married Alone. It has uh, 
kind of the clever turn on words you see in country music often. You can tie me up, but you can't tie me down. Tell us about that song and who wrote that and how that came together. So I write with these two guys in Nashville a lot that are like my brothers. And I've written with one of them's named Buddy Owens. I've written with him for close to 20 years, 18 years, I guess. And he's just like, a, it's like my dude. I, I love him. He's like my brother. And he brought this guy, way, uh, Galen Griffin in um, a couple years ago. And we all just totally hit it off. And so we have kind of standing writing appointments in a, you know, and we'll, we'll write a couple days in a row, you know, every couple months. And, um, we were, it's always at night cause they've got kids. And so they'll like get their kids, you know, down and then we'll just go out and buddy shop and, you know, have a beer or something and sitting there and now again, I was coming out of a divorce. So, I mean, you're very inspired when your shit's falling apart. So, um, yeah. <laughs> So I was just sitting there talking to Galen and Buddy, and I was like, y'all, how is this happening again? I mean, this is my second divorce. And and we just kind of were laughing about it. And I said, I just, I want, I want to, I just want someone to tie me up. I don't want to be tied down anymore. And Galen was like, and there's the song that we're writing. <laughs> you can They're so inspirational with like just they're just sitting around. We're all just kind of playing guitar and Galen and Buddy both just started playing this like Waylon kind of feel. And I was like, oh, my God, I was like, this is going to be so fun. So we wrote this very quickly. And that night, particularly, I know we wrote another song called Body in a Boxcar and we wrote a song called Broken Lovers. We wrote three songs that night. Um, and I. Uh, Tie Me Up, just I immediately felt so close to it because I thought there was like this, that's one of those examples of like, I feel like some women would be scared to talk about that because it makes, ooh, makes you look like a party girl, whatever. But but that's like life, you know, like there's women do things that men do. It's just they're, it's taboo, you know, to talk about that, to say something like that. But I started playing that at shows and women were going crazy, like crazy. They're like, oh my God, that's me. That's me. <laughs> like, I know. <laughs> it's such a great opener uh, for the show. And then, I mean, the first three songs from the set are, you just light it up uh, right off the bat. It's Tie Me Up, uh, Please Be San Antonio, uh, Staying's Worse Than Leaving. So you've got, I mean, you're like a rocket uh, when you when you first start off. And then you kind of move and kind of calm things down a little bit with you know, how do I end up lonely again? Can you talk about kind of how you craft that journey on your set list? Yeah, I like doing that. I don't, I don't know who told me this, but it's, it's been like this for a very long time, but uh, someone in my life, and I really wish that I knew who this was because it's an everyday thing that I deal with. Um, and I write the set list myself. Like um, I, I do, I never do two slow songs together because as a fan, I would be bored stupid if I had to listen to two slow songs together. So um, I, I always, I think people come to shows to let go of life for 90 minutes, you know? So I, I know that people like slow songs. They do. 
but I know also that they get down to fast songs, right? So I want the up tempo out of the out of the box, out of the shoot, and then bring it down. And I love a good tear in my beer song. You know, it's steel guitar all over the place. And steel guitar is the best instrument that's ever, you know, been invented in my opinion. But it can go wrong really quickly. So, you know, not with Mike Johnson, you can't go wrong. He's like in just impeccable. But um yeah. he he played on that song and it just it sawed me off at the waist. I mean, I just I couldn't even I couldn't even get past how great that steel made that song. And um, anyway, so I love the slow and then go right back up into the fast. Cause then if, if someone does happen to be like, Oh, that was so sad. I don't want them to cry. You know, I just want them to, I want them to feel it. And then we go right back into the fun fast stuff and then go right back down into the slow stuff or the, or the sentimental stuff, I guess is what I should say. So I do like, up and down, but someone in my career has told me, I wish I could remember who that was, but someone said, don't ever put two slow songs together. It'll bore people to tears. So I don't, I don't know who told me that, but I do know that someone did tell me that. Good advice. Mm -hmm. You know, one song I wanted to bring up um, that's in this set is easy as hello. And I was taking some notes the other day and I, and I wrote, it reminded me of a Tom Petty song or maybe, maybe Fleetwood Mac, two bands you mentioned. You mentioned Stevie Nicks, not Fleetwood Mac. Um, but I wasn't listening to the lyrics when I wrote that. I was just thinking of how the song sounded. It was very propulsive, like some Tom Petty songs are. Like the, the instrumentation, the band made it feel like uh, feel like those. Talk about the band you have playing with you right now. Um, Want to talk about how, that, how you get that sound. So live, um... Well, my guitar player that plays with me at my shows is the same guitar player that was on the studio record. Um, his name is Harley Husbands. And I feel like he's very blues influenced and rock influenced, but can play a Telecaster, which I say that there's Telecaster owners and there's Telecaster players. Um, and it's not, it's not just a guitar that you that you need to own. You need to know how to play it. Do you know what I mean? And, and appropriately. And, and I feel like Harley does that really well. And he's, he's one of my favorite guitar players. He actually, Mike Campbell is like my favorite guitar player. If I had to choose just one. And, um, and the reason is because he can make it sound so country or he can rock his balls off. You know what I mean? And, and I feel like Harley is very influenced by him as well. And, and I, I love hearing stuff that I think that's what Mike Campbell would have done, you know, and when Harley will play something. And so he played on all that. And that was very intentional because I wanted that sound to be able to be recreated at my shows. And then, um, the, the drummer was this guy in the studio named Mackenzie Smith. And he just drove the whole ship just incredibly, just an incredible multi like talented drummer just can play anything and um he just kind of drove that whole ship and we had a couple of different bass players that played some stuff in the studio but then live we've got Harley and then um a drummer we're actually looking for a permanent drummer right now but we've got a guy named Josh Burkheimer playing with us right now and then 
Um, Amanda McCoy is a bass player and she sings really incredible harmony too. And I feel like there's, she adds kind of the aspect with a female lead singer to have like a female harmony singer also over me and then plays the dog out of the bass, you know, and it, it's just so fun. It's so fun to play with her. And then we have a steel guitar player too named Carl, and he has been really amazing at recreating the parts that were done in the studio. And um, I feel like this is the only time that I've ever had a record that is created, recreated at the shows, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because there's always too many instruments on shit. Too many instruments. In the studio? Yeah. And like, I don't want too many instruments. I want to be, I, I don't, as a fan, I don't want to go to a show and see you play with your band and y'all have, you know, you know, a four piece band, you have bass, drums, guitar, and you on acoustic. And then you sell me an acoustic demo. I don't want that. I want to be able to take home with me what I just heard. And that's what I feel like we are trying to do with this really diligently and being pretty straightforward about it. Like I, I love that. I love being able to recreate something. And if you have 40 instruments on a song with little pieces and fills and stuff here and there, but they're signature licks, you're not gonna be able to carry a 40 piece band with you. I mean, you could, but you would not be able to afford it or I wouldn't be able to afford it. (laughs) So I just like being able to, um, to recreate it, you know, and, and, and send people home with a copy of the album and have them be like, y'all have to go see that. You know, it sounds just like this record. Yeah. You know, talking about Telecaster players versus owners, I I love the track married alone. I'm a huge Vince Gill fan. Everybody knows he's got a sweet voice, but he's definitely a Telecaster player uh, as well. Talk about, I mean, that's a special song. It's a powerful song. Um, talk a little bit about uh, Married Alone. Man, that song, whenever I told you earlier that Arthur sent me that song and it just knocked me out completely. And we recorded it. I had it on hold for so long, but then we recorded it. And um, I was just going to initially just do me and I wasn't going to put a harmony on it at all because that the song is married alone. So I didn't want any voices on it besides my own. We were just going to make my voice like really reverby. We went through a couple of different um ideas about how we were going to do this. But anyway, so we recorded it, we did the vocals and we were all just sitting there listening to it, which is the hardest part for me is listening to playback like I cannot ugh, it just it's so hard. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. just, it, yeah, because, cause you, I don't know, just listening to, to how you think something will sound versus how it sounds. And then you have to go back and it's just, it's very difficult for me. Like, because in your mind, you want something to sound a certain way. And then you just have to keep doing it and just praying to God that, you know, this song is strong and you just want it to, you want to be able to get it. You know what I mean? And so it's just very hard for me. Anyway, we were listening listening to the playback and, and we had, I think this is like our second to final, um, second to final. Oh no, there's a lost dog. Oh no. I'm sorry. I'm a dog person. And there's a dog Ah, it's running around in the parking lot. Um, sorry. Um, that's all right. 
I'm not going to look, I'm just going to close my eyes for a minute because if it gets hit by a car, I'm going to absolutely die. Um, anyway, um, we were listening to the playback of Married Alone and in my head, I heard, um, you know, the Gretchen Peters song, um, uh, you don't even know who I am. It's, uh, Patty Loveless sang it. Um, it's an incredible song and it is the song that helped me have the courage to get divorced. Okay. So, so I was listening in my head. I could only hear that song that Gretchen sang. And it's the one song that I've listened to as a fan and been like, man, I wish Vince Gill was on that song because Vince Gill's voice is, there's nothing like it. And so, and Patty does the song perfectly, but I could only imagine Vince singing it like with her, you know? So it just clicked in my head. I was like, why don't I ask Vince to sing on this one? And all he can say is no, that's it. I mean, I have thick skin, (laughs) very thick skin. (laughs) So I just, I kind of just, without even thinking about it, blurted it out and was like, y'all, what if we try to get Vince on this? And they were, they all laughed. They were like, (laughs) okay, cool. Yeah, that's cute. Um, That'll never happen. And so I went outside and just called him and was like, Hey, is there any possibility that you would maybe want to sing on this with me? He's like, sure. It's like, okay. Uh, that's not what I was expecting you to say. (laughs) So anyway, I was already very emotional about the song and then he did his part and I lost it. I mean, that was where it put me over the edge because it's, he comes in at such a weird spot and it's on the word lonely and it's halfway through the songs already halfway done before he even comes in. And it was just so heavy for me. Mm. And, and I lost it when I heard him singing that. So I, I think he's, if not the best singer in the world, in my opinion, he's one of the, you know, very, very best that our world has ever had to offer. Absolutely. Before we wrap up here, t- tell us what's next for you. Uh, more, more touring. I mean, it seems like you are just a, a road dog. You are always out there playing live. You're always writing, recording. What, what, what's next for you, Sonny? I mean, yeah, we, we plan on touring. I ended up, um, I let my entire team go last January and I've, I did it on faith. I just did it. I didn't have anything planned. I just knew that it wasn't right for me anymore. And so I let booking and management and all that go marketing, everything. And I just basically started over and I got this new booking agent. That's incredible. And she gets my vision and, um, she's amazing. And so she's got us just slammed busy and in, in venues that like I'm in, I'm enjoying, you know, playing in the, there's listening venues and it's just amazing. And I love it. So, so as much as she can keep me on the road, um, you know, I do a radio show on Sirius XM five days a week also. And, um, I, that was a completely out of the blue situation. So I do, I do that as well, five days a week. And I'm, um, I've got it down now to kind of a science, my, tour manager prints out my, my radio log, you know, for me. And then I, I can time it out better now. Do you know what I mean? Like I can yeah. knock it out, you know? Um, 
and, and, and fit it in perfectly to my schedule. And I've, I've really gotten that down to a science now. So, and it's really great. And I'm meeting a whole bunch of different new people because of being on the radio for six hours every day, you know, and, and really enjoying a whole different demographic. It's really, really cool. And so that is becoming a huge part of my life. And I love it. I, I, I love meeting people. That's what my job is about. You know, I, I wanted to do this job to be friends with different people and different walks of life. And, um, I've managed somehow to manifest that into fruition and I dig it. I dig my life. That's awesome. You know, thank you so much for joining us. I got to tell you, I feel better about life after having spoken to you than I did maybe an hour ago. Are it's, you serious? I am. It's very inspiring. So, Sunny, we uh, we appreciate you. Wow, that's the nicest thing anyone's ever said. Thank you so much. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.